You are now listening to the Dad Rules Podcast with your hosts, Mario E. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Dad Rules Podcast, where we help you dad better. I'm one of your hosts, Mario E. And kid, what's going on? Not much, man. I'm excited about this pod today. We got a guest on here. Yeah, let's go ahead and introduce him. All right, we got a good friend of mine, Cam Martin. He's a former Virginia Tech Hokie, and he's going to be talking to us today about fatherhood and his experiences. Welcome to the show, Cam. Appreciate y'all having me, first and foremost. Kid, you and I go way back. Mario E, heard a lot about you over the years, so I'm, I'm just excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Good deal. That's what's up? Well. All right, so how about you tell us a little bit of who you are, Cam? Like if, you know, just to, just a, you know, a little bit more of an introduction to Kia gave. Just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Yeah, man. Um, so I, I grew up in... I was born in Danville, grew up in Martinsville, um, boomerang back around to GW when it was time to, to go to, to, to high school. Um, so that's where my relationship with, with Tremaine kind of um, rooted from. Uh, you know, I've, I've always kept a very small circle of folks, and he's been one of those folks that's, uh, that's been with me over the years. So, uh, you know, grew up, you know, in the church. My dad's a preacher now. Um, you know, I, football and sports was just kind of always at the forefront of my life with my faith. Um, was blessed to go to, to college and, you know, play at that level and, um, you know, end up hurting my knee and didn't able, weren't able to pursue it any, any further than that. Um, and I, I look at that as like, it was, it was a blessing too, because, you know, my, my life where I sit right now, married two beautiful daughters, um, I'm here in Austin, Texas, um, you know, while I, while I always think about the what ifs or going a different path, I think the, the path that I was, um, you know, that, that God put me on. Um, is where I, I needed to be. So um, I'm here in Austin right now. Um, we're really excited about making some plans to move back to, to the East Coast, um, hopefully this year or next, um, just to be closer to family. You know, I grew up around family. It's number one in my life, uh, but number two in my life behind my faith in God. But, um, you know, having two girls here in Austin, it's a little bit tougher um, just because you're so far away from the grandparents and your, your true support system. So excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I can see it being very difficult because like even with my son, man, it's like, you know, my dad, they, they'll pick him up from school, you know, take him to McDonald's, get him a Happy Meal, you know, and it's just they, they've got that bond. And like, like you said, with that distance, it's, it's, it's a little bit harder um, yeah. for you to do some of the things that you want to do. Yeah. Um, and I know, Mario, you can probably speak to that as well. And it's, it's definitely adjustment, man. When we moved from Virginia to Arizona, uh, you know, we left behind, you know, all of our uh, family and friends. And, you know, like you said, Cam, that support system is no longer there. But one of the things that I will say uh, that happened with our family is that we got closer. Mm-hmm. You know, we moved as a unit. Wherever it's, 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 it's very rare to see one of us out alone. You know, unless like one of us is going to work or just grabbing a quick bite to eat somewhere. But I mean, right. we all go to, you know, if we're going on a trip, we all going, you know, even to this day, my daughter is, you know, a sophomore in, in college, you know, and she still lives at home, just goes to the university here in our town. And, you know, we, we travel everywhere together and people always comment on that. They're like, man, you guys always seem so close knit because we've always been together when we had to move away from my hometown. It was just us. You know, and we, and we had to, you know, we, you know, for fun, it was just us for yeah. whatever. It was just us, you know, and, and it just got us to be a whole lot closer. Yeah, I'll, I can attest to that. I mean, I don't I think moving to Austin was probably the best thing I've ever done in my life. because mm-hmm. I feel like I grew, grew up, like, even though it was, I was 25 years old, but being dropped into a totally unfamiliar environment, um, <clears throat> you have to kind of grow up real quick, right? Because you don't know anyone. And so I think you you kind of make decisions um, as if you are an adult. And it's weird saying that at the age of 25, because you think you're grown and you know everything. But I did a lot of learning when I once I got out here. But you're <laughs> right, dude. It's like, we rarely do anything um, separately, you know, in, in terms of being a family. Everywhere I go, my wife's there, my daughter's there. Um, you know, we, we would love to have our grandparents around, right? So like we can have yeah. a date night and go out. But, you know, I, I think my wife and I obviously need to do that and prioritize doing that on occasion. But 
like I enjoy going out and bringing the girls with us. Like it's very kid friendly out here. And so it's made us become closer as a family. And weirdly, I do think we even became closer to our extended family back home because I was in Charlotte for a couple of years. You just a drive away. And then you, but you think about how often you actually do that drive and how often you prioritize that. You yeah. take it for granted. And so even simple things like every dinner, you know, we sit down and we FaceTime with the grandparents and, you know, we want to make sure that our kids have the same line into the grandparents, even though being that far away, it's difficult, but I'm excited. I'm excited to be able to just jump in the car and go see my mom and dad whenever I, whenever I want to. So it's something, uh, something I'm looking forward to for sure. That's dope. I never really thought about, you know, to keep that connection is like have dinner and have like, the computer up and kind of do like a zoom with them yeah it's a balance. that's a good strategy yeah, yeah it's a balance it's a balance for sure because like you don't you don't want to like you want to have time for you as your family right like talk about your day and my daughter's at school would you learn like we do that but it's also the time where like they actually are sitting stationary and they can actually have a conversation on facetime because putting a five-year-old six-year-old in front of facetime is difficult these days so uh that's really what <laughs> they can capture that attention yeah. oh yeah and my, my wife, she does that because she's probably about three hours away from where she's originally from. Yeah. So her, her mom, her aunt, you know, they are constantly, you know, FaceTiming each other or whatever. And sometimes like my son, he'll get one of our phones or something like that. And he'll call them and he'll just have conversation. I love that because yeah. they keep that relationship. Yeah. So even though they're not, physically there with each other um they do get that bond with their families and i yeah. think that's important yeah. yeah for sure sure standard question here on the dad roots podcast uh, we want you to tell us you know about your relationship with your dad yeah oh man where do i start with that um my dad so it's, it's funny like when i was young um you know, we didn't necessarily grow up in the church. Like I remember, I think it was probably like middle of elementary school uh, where we really like started dedicating our lives and like going to church on a regular basis. And I just remember that being like a, a different approach because he always, he, he always coached and they always had their coaches meetings on Sundays and he would take us with us. And like, we just, we went to church every now and again, but we weren't really in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do remember, I think I was probably about third or fourth grade when I saw that change in my dad, uh, before he got called into the ministry. And so I would say like, um, that had a, a profound impact on my life. Cause I just remember how, you know, not saying that like growing up in the church is like, you know, I've done everything perfect. Um, but yeah. I do think, I do think I would probably be a little bit different as a, as a man today, if you know, the first six, seven years of my life, what I remember is like, you, you, you know, every Sunday you was, it was all about football, coaching, watching tape versus like actually prioritizing being in the church. I do think I, I would have probably turned out a little bit different um, in terms of, you know, my priorities and even how I choose to, you know, raise my own family. Um, but I, like, I think my relationship with my, with my dad is like, while we're distant physically, um, you know, we, we've never been the type, like my family's just never been the type, just like express emotions outwardly. You know what yeah, I mean, Tremaine, you can probably, you can probably like put those dots together for like yeah. our time growing up. We just don't, t- I, I've never really talked about a lot of stuff openly with them, but I think as we get older, as, as I've gotten older, I think those are conversations that we, we have a little bit more frequently now. And I learned a lot more about him as an individual and things that he was nervous about, like even being a dad and growing up and, you know, trying to provide for a family and not knowing what to do. Um, so I think one thing that I, I do take away from my dad is like, He's always prioritized us and making sure that we had stuff, even if he had nothing. And that's really like my approach as a, as a dad right now. It's just like, you know, everyone asks you about what your motivation is and what drives you. And I'm like, as a dad, for me personally, I, I don't have to look for a motivation. It's like when I come home, like you have a responsibility to your family to provide and to be a good person and put them on a path um, to success. And, you know, I, I, I want to put my family on a path that, you know, I didn't have the opportunities to have when I was um, younger. And, um, but I did see that my dad worked as hard as he possibly could to make sure that we prioritize being a good person, working hard. And he always said, if you do those things, everything else is going to take care of itself. And those are the two things I've always prioritized, even as, you know, I've gone into my professional career and it's been true. And so that's really what I'm hoping to instill with, you know, my daughters as they, as they grow up is that, um, you know, I want them to look at me the same lens that I look at 
my dad and say like I saw these things and I saw how you really prioritize and how you really put everything to the side to make sure that we had everything that's what I hope that they see in me when I when they get older it's a funny thing how I hate even saying the word materialistic but it's so funny how like in high school and even sometimes in college like we're so concerned about like our image and you know what we're wearing and and you know everything needs to be nice and and everything needs to be straight right but like as soon as you become a father, it's like, it doesn't matter what I got on. It doesn't, what about you? It doesn't matter about me. If y'all are straight, I'm good. Like I, if my kids got the things that they need, that's when I'm the happiest. When my wife is situated, when my son is situated, you know, even getting things ready in the house for the baby that's coming in May. If all her stuff is in place before she gets here, I'm just as happy as I can be. I don't have to have anything. No, I'm, I'm with you. My birthday, we just had this conversation while we were eating lunch a minute ago. Like, they're asking me what I want for my birthday. And like, I can truly say, like, I don't, like, you don't have to give me anything. Like, we can sit down and just freaking cut a slice of cake together. Like, I'm totally cool with that, but I got everything I need. As long as what makes me happy is seeing them happy and that have everything that they need. Like, me as a man and as a father, like, you can't buy me nothing that's going to, like, you know, I wouldn't trade anything for that. For that Materials, like, nothing. That That's the feeling that I strive for, and that's what makes me happy. Uh, I can think about you know, my birthday was like, you know, a month and a half ago or so. And, you know, my, you know, my wife and kids were like, hey, what do you want? What do you want? You know, Christmas was before that. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? There's a joy and there's a peace knowing that they're happy, Yeah. you know, yeah. and it, you just you can't buy it. You can't explain it to people who haven't gone through it. But, yeah, it's just, hey, I'm if y'all are good, like yeah. Jermaine said, I'm good. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Hey, so let me let me ask you this, Cam. So you you spoke a little bit about your dad is and I wanted to know, you know, a little bit how he shaped you into the person you are. Is there one trait you would say that you got from him being a father that you've definitely carried it on to to fatherhood for yourself? Yeah. Um that's a good question, man. I think um I think a trait that he instilled in me from a young age was just work ethic, work ethic. And I think like, um, it's a fine line, right. With, you know, like I said, we grew up, didn't have a ton of money. We weren't poor, but we just, we didn't go on a ton of extravagant vacations or anything like that. Um, but he always said, you know, you know, where we grew up, he said like, as a, as a black man, um, people aren't going to expect a lot out of you right and so it's like they're already looking at you you got to go above and beyond to prove yourself and I remember like that stuck with me as a as a early you know early I can't remember what age he told me that but that stuck with me and I never really understood why until I became an adult uh, I just did it and I was like what is that what do you mean what are you talking about yeah. um but I think like he always said keep your mouth shut and work hard and I think like I've we've learned to balance that but I think the part of it that I would say that I'm trying to you know instill in my daughters is like you know, there's a time to keep your mouth shut, but you also need to understand how and when to speak up and advocate for yourself and advocate for what you know is right. I agree. Um, and I think that's where, um, you know, he really instilled in me, like as we've gotten older and, you know, even him being called into the ministry, he's also been a very quiet person. Have you ever hung around my dad? Like he can, I can, you can literally be in the house with him for 24 hours and you may hear him talk once or twice. Like he's just a very quiet to himself type of person. So I understand where that, like where that comes from and where that roots from, but um, I think I'm just trying to like show my daughters, especially like how to, how to speak up, how to advocate for themselves, but you got to learn how to work hard because, you know, we have been very fortunate and we, you know, live in a nice house and we make really good money. And so money's never a top, a top of mind thing for her, but I like, I want, I want that not to be the central point of focus, but I also want her to understand like, 
it takes work to get to this, right. these things. Right. And like, you're never just going to just sit back and it's all just going to fall in your lap. Like, I think it appears to you as a six-year-old it's happening right now. Right. <laughs> so it's that fine line of like balancing, giving them things we never had versus like showing them, like, it doesn't just happen overnight. You have to work freaking hard to get there. Well, yeah. yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah. That's good. So Cam, you're in an interracial relationship, well, marriage. Um, Did you receive any resistance, you know, to that in the beginning, you know, like from your family or her family or friends or just people that you know? Honestly, not not as much outwardly like i but what i do know is i know that there are probably conversations that happen that probably never approaches me which i i feel like i am a very self-aware person um i think for my family um you know they've always just told me it was like i just want you to be happy like whatever that is i want you to be happy um i do think like on the resistance side it wasn't like resistance i think it was probably more new like on my wife's side of the family um, cause where she grew up, like there's just not, I mean, I'm the first black guy that she's ever dated. Right. And so first black guy she ever brought home. And so I think it's very different on that side of the spectrum, just because it's not something that they were necessarily used to. They've never been nothing, but, you know, never, nothing short of kind and brought me in open arms. Uh, but I think those are conversations that my wife and I have as well is that, you know, I think the resistance probably comes from the folks that we just are not, they're not in our circles anymore. You know what I mean? So I know that there are people in her circle that she had in the past. I don't see a lot of those people. We don't interact with a lot of those people. I, you know, I can make a lot of assumptions as to why, but I I would say 1000%. I do think it's probably because of the fact that, you know, I am an African-American and, you know, there are things that they've seen and done in the past where it's like, it just may not mesh. Right. And I'm okay Mm -hmm. with that. And so I think that's where you know, for me, it doesn't bother me. I haven't been met with a bunch of resistance necessarily, um, but I do know that it is something that's on people's minds um, and whether they choose to say it or not, it's something that we were always very acutely aware of. Yeah, I think I think the thing that I like the most is I just want you to be happy. Yeah. You know, and I remember having a conversation with you not long ago and you said that you told your wife like, I didn't marry you because you were white. Yeah. I married you because you were the one for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I feel the same way because like, if it wasn't for interracial marriages, I wouldn't be here. Um, yeah. A lot of people wouldn't be here <laughs> if it wasn't for that. Even if you don't know, <laughs> you know, so. Oh, for sure. You know, Bruh. I just, uh, man. Yeah. Man, we three light skinned dudes on this on this right now. Like, come on, like, what are you, what are you saying? Like, if, we, you're right. We would not be here if it wasn't for not at all. So, it's funny. Yeah. I never met a white person in my family, but I'm like, look at look at us. Right. It's got to be somewhere. Yeah, it got to be. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. But it, I mean, yeah. it just yeah. But that, I, that gave me a different perspective because I never heard you say that. Because I I guess the the thing in the African-American community is like, yo, he like white girls, you know, yeah. he, he messed with white girls. And, and you made it clear that that wasn't the case. You, you care to explain that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's definitely the stigma. Like, I think even when, you know, you make that choice to, you know, marry someone of a different race, like, you know, it's again, as you get to that step, it's no longer just about you. It's like, how is your life going to change marrying a black person, right? Like, you know, thinking about from my wife's point of view, one day we're going to have kids that are biracial. How do you explain to them, you know, without, you know, totally polluting their minds and pinning them race against race? It's like, how do you plan to raise your kids in that type of environment? And so, yeah, I think from from my lens of it, like, I mean, I told, I told Tremaine this, uh, like, I never set out to, like, marry a white girl. And, you know, I don't have a preference I don't follow. And again, I'm, I'm kind of one of, I'm, I, I kind of consider myself a very simple person. It's like, if, you know, loyalty is number one to me. Like, I feel like if you're loyal to me, um, I'll freaking, I'll drive to Virginia tomorrow. If you told me you had a flat tire, you couldn't get home. <laughs> I'd pick up and drive tomorrow and I'd go pick would. you up. Um, I would, I mean, I, I would do, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like I, I'd find loyalty number one over anything when you're thinking about relationships. Um, but I never set out to say like, you know, if you asked me back in high school, like we went to GW Danville, like I never considered it. I went to college 
right? Like my first year, I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not dating no white girl, man. Like, you yeah. know, I had, I had relationships with all, you know, all types of backgrounds and, and people, black, white, like it's, it, it didn't matter to me. Um, I think what, what I value more so is, you know, people that are going to make me better as a person, right? And so that's where, even with my wife, I tell her, I was like, you know, if, if you had to like write down on paper, like what I thought I would end up marrying at some point in time, you're probably the opposite of that. I never thought I'd marry a girl from Emporia, Virginia that had never really been around a ton of Black people before. But I think yeah. what really drew me to her was her heart, right? And so like, I knew really quickly that it wasn't about like Black or white. She's like, I like if you're a person, I'm going to treat you and I'm going to stand up for what's right. And I saw that even before, like, keep in mind, I knew her before we ever started dating. So I saw how she interacted with other people. So you have that time period where you like see them when there's no, there's no skin in the game, right? It's like, I'm not trying to like mm. date her. She's not trying to date me. And I think that really helped me understand like who she was as a person at that point in time. And, you know, like I said, she could have been any color, but one of the things that, you know, the thing that really drew me was, you know, not that she's a white girl. I, what drew me to her was that she makes me a better person. And Tremaine can attest to that. It's like, I mean, I used to be, yeah. I, I, I had a temper. I still have a temper, but I have a temper. Like I like to win. I like to argue. Like I like to debate. Like I like to like, I, I go like, it's not a lot of in, in between ground. It's like one or the other. Yeah. yeah. And I realized like, as I got older, like I realized as, as I got older, like I have to like evolve myself as a person, right? Because you know, I think, you know, from her lens, I mean, she's one of those people that you can have a debate or an argument or anything with. And two minutes later, she's back on track and she's cool. Like she can get over this stuff really quick. I ain't like that. I'm not like that at all. But like, as I, like, as I started to mature as a person, I'm like, if you can do these things, why can't I? It's a choice for me to like act the way I act and do things that I do. And honestly, man, like, I think she changed, like meeting her changed my life because like I look at things a lot different. I've mellowed out a ton. And I think a lot of it is really like pointed to her and the fact that she's helped me evolve as a person in the way that she has. So it's not about white, it's not about black. Like if she was black, I would marry her too. I've had relationships with all types of backgrounds and women. And it's not about that to me. It's just a matter of like who you are and how you make me feel and do you make me a better person? Yeah. Let me let me ask you this though, right? Yeah. So like y'all dating. First time y'all have a argument or a disagreement and you want to argue and she doesn't. Bro, it hurts. My me. my experience that like <laughs> when when me and Shanika got married, I want I was the person like I need to tell you exactly how I feel. You need to tell me how you feel, and we just need to have it out. So we got it all out on the table. And I would be wanting an argument and she wouldn't do it. Bro. And it that's the thing that's like at that moment, it's frustrating as I don't know what. But now that I look back at it, that's what I needed. Like when I'm when yeah. I'm high, you need to be low. You know, when when I'm yeah. frustrated, you need to be under control and, and be able to think through. And when you told me about that and that she did that for you, I said, thank God. That's what Cam needed. That's exactly yeah. what he needed, you know. Bro, it's what I needed, man. But I think yeah. the scariest—I think the scariest part of that is like she is that for me. But I have driven her to the point where like she has like switched that gear. And over the mm -hmm. ten plus years we've been together, I ain't gonna lie, dude. It scared me, and it gets you to that point where it's like, it's like if you can make this person who does not want to argue and not want to fight and want to like get it get to this level, if you can drive her to that level then you got to look at yourself and figure out like, what are you doing wrong? And so yeah. like, that, those are the types of scenarios where I was like, you quickly, like you, like for me, it went from like, you want to argue, you want to fight. It's like, oh man, like, I don't want to lose this woman over my pride because right. like, I want to take this to a point that she doesn't want to take it to. Like, I want to get everything out in the clear and I want to talk about it and I want to be, you know, somewhat done with it. But for her, she just processes things differently. And I, I needed that. I needed someone to balance me out. And again, yeah. like, there's no stigma around like, does that come from a white woman? Does that come from a black woman? I know the underlying root and all those things. It's like, they, there's different backgrounds that match for different people. I found the person that matched for me. And again, like, I don't think that many people can probably put up with the way that I used to be. And so finding someone that's going to take me through that and like lock arms with me and see me as I grow, like, and I'll freaking, I'll, I'll jump off a bridge for her at this point. Like that's, that's what you look for in a, in a, and a soulmate is someone that you can't live without and 
you know, hopefully they make you a better person. Yeah. So let me let me go a bit deeper. So first of all, ha- like, have you seen a little bit of that fire in your daughters? Yes, absolutely. My oldest daughter is my my image, like the temper, the attitude, and the the hard part with it is when I want to discipline her. I'm like, look at her, and I'm like, that was me. Like you're me. Like you are. Like in, in the other part of me as a dad, it's like, I don't, there, there's this thing, right? It's like, there's this thing where you're like, there's certain inherent, like there's certain like um, inherent traits that you pass on to oh, your yeah. kids. And like, I think for me, I'm like, I'm constantly thinking about how do you, you know, how, like I wouldn't necessarily call it a generational curse, you know, but I would say like, how do you break that? Like, I don't believe that like, just because I'm this way, my daughter has to be that way, right? And so yeah. it's like balancing accepting her for who, who she is because she is my child and she has things that you know has been passed on to her but she that doesn't have to define her and that doesn't have to be who she grows up to be so absolutely I see it in her she's a firecracker I think she's gonna it's gonna pay off in the long run with her like as she mm-hmm. goes into an adult like you're not gonna walk over her um, and I do think she's gonna push herself really hard but I don't want that to be like I want her to I want to embrace those good parts about it but I also want to help her be understanding and aware of like how you can impact other people by the way that you act. Because I think yeah. that was one of the things that I've learned about myself over the years is that, you know, you, you do impact people in very different ways and you need to be very aware of that. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like that with, with Jonah sometimes, like he's such a good kid, but like when he gets upset, like he'll, he, he has that fire in him. Oh, and yeah. a lot of times it's just short. It, it, it doesn't last long. But I just see that fire and, it, and it's like, it's like the crazy, the mad scientist in me is like, you know what? I'm gonna let you do that a little bit because you need that. I don't, I don't want to shut you down right now. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. You need to yeah. keep a little bit of that because you're going to go through some things in his life and he's stubborn, but I, yeah. I'm stubborn. And Mario will contest yeah. if we, if we have, um, if we're playing, the three of us are playing Monopoly and he's trying to sell or buy my property or whatever. And I don't like the deal. We'll be there at 12 o'clock midnight until I get it the way I want it to be. <laughs> if you want to stop playing, we'll stop playing. But Mario Jonah's just like that. Like he, he's, just, he's, yeah. he's stubborn to that point, but I don't feel like it's a negative because sometimes you need to be stubborn in life. Sometimes it's some things that's going to be presented to you. And you, you got to be like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. You know? Yeah. No, nah, man, come on, come on, man. Do this, do this. No, nah, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all can stop being my friend or whatever the case is, but I said I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You know? Yeah. So I, I I love what you said, Cam, for real, because it's like you see, you, you see yourself in the kids and it's like, now it's like, okay, how do I mold this and make this better than than I yeah. was? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just harnessing it in a in a positive way, not to change yeah. them. Like kid, they're kids, man. And like that's yeah. I, like she's, you know, she's six, and I forget that sometimes, especially when you have a eight month old <laughs> now. Like, you know, six between six and eight months, like you you forget and you think that they are a lot more mature and they should know. But she's still a kid, man. Like kindergartners, yeah. they're gonna do silly stuff, and you know, you got to give them room to be a kid and not treat them like an adult. Because I think when you try to make kids grow up too quickly i think that's um you know i think that could that could go a multitude of different ways um you know some good some bad but oh, yeah. i'm trying to like i'm trying to embrace her her childhood and and who she is as a person like i said and just harness it in a positive way yep yeah you hit it on the head there cam you know when you said you know harnessing it in a positive way there's nothing wrong with being angry yeah. you know it's it's a it's an emotion that we have that, that is there for a reason. A lot of times anger can drive you to do, you know, great things, you know, great positive, yeah. things, you know, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with being stubborn either. You know, yeah. to me, that's, that's, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times we talk about our gut, that's maybe your gut telling you not to do this, right. you know, and sometimes we, we would, we would benefit a lot more if we, if we trust that. Yeah. You got something else, Tremaine, on that on that line? No, no, I don't have anything else on it. It was good. Okay. Um, one of the things 
that I kind of wanted to ask you about, Cam, was, you know, I don't know how much you watch the news, and I'll be honest, I, I try to stay away from the news, but sometimes it, it just comes to our doorstep and different things. But, you know, with so much ignorance and hatred being in the world, and, you know, you talked about, you know, you've been in an interracial marriage or whatever, so your kids are, you know, biracial or whatever. How do you handle that, you know, being in Texas? And, you know, and I, I'm just, you know, this is just one of those things where, you know, we all have certain stereotypes, but, you know, and I've been to Texas before, but, you know, certain stigmas are come to mind when you think of certain places, the South, Texas, or wherever the case may be. But how is it, you know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, raising biracial daughters, you know, um, in 2022. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had like a, a, a concrete, solid, um, answer to that i'd freaking put it in a book and sell it we can make some money make some money off of that but i think um i mean that's tough i think the reason why we love austin is that austin's austin's kind of like the um it's like a state within texas um like outside of texas it's a lot more um you know conservative austin's very liberal they're like it's a very welcoming place and that's really what why we've stayed here so long is that it's a place that i you know i would choose to raise my my children what I prefer to be a lot more diverse than it is absolutely um but I think the mindset here is more around you know less about like their, your color less about what you do it's more about like how you treat people and I would say Austin has probably been one of the most friendly welcoming places where I don't feel like I go to a restaurant with my wife and I'm being stared at it's just like no one yeah. cares right like there are places back home in the south where like you go and you sit down with a white lady at a table and you can see everyone looking over their shoulders, like trying to see what that's all about. Uh, but I think raising our daughters, it's a fine line, man, because what I don't want her to be is this like pro-black, like white people are bad type of thing, right? But I also God, want her to understand, I also want her to understand like what our grandparents, like her grandparents were in segregated schools. And like it, it wasn't until it wasn't until like I was talking to my my daughter about Black History Month and like, I don't know, like, I feel so ignorant and even like stopping and even admitting this, but I mean, I was 32, 33 years old before I actually even realized that our parents went to schools like with only black people and like it was segregated. We just didn't talk about that stuff a yeah. ton. Um, but like when, I, when I'm having those conversations with my daughter, it like visibly makes her sad because she's like, I can't believe people would do those types of things. And so like what I don't want is like paint, like paint this picture in her head to where like she thinks that every single person is trying to do her wrong based off of what happened in the past right. but i also think it's important for her to know that like you know she's biracial but i mean biracial children back in the day were considered black like so as a black woman which i tell her she's a black woman i i think that she needs to understand that and she needs to understand that you know she's going to come into situations whether now or later on down the road where like people may look at her differently like in her class she's the only person that looks like she looks in her class like I, you know, she's a, you know, she's darker than I am, but she's a, she's a mixed girl that is surrounded by people that don't look like her. And I think, you know, what, what really kind of painted um, a really solid picture in my mind was like, they were talking about, like, Hey, I'm thankful that they were even talking about black history month at school. Cause not everyone does that, but they were talking about it. And she was like, it made her sad because for two reasons, she was like, one of the kids said, uh, you know, like, like black people like Penelope. And she was like, I wasn't sad because I'm black. I'm sad because like no one else in my class looked like wow. that. You know what I mean? It was like, I felt right. like I was, I felt like I was kind of being sing singled out. And she's kind of like me in that lens. Like she does not like to be front and center. And so like, she was like, it made me kind of feel a little bit like sad, a little bit out of place when I talked to her about it. And then I think secondly, her best friend is a little white girl named Chloe. Like she loves this girl. They live right down the street from us. She comes over here to play. Like then Penelope goes over there to play. And she was like, so... If, if I, we were living back then, then I wouldn't be able to play with Chloe. And I was like, probably not. And those are the types of conversations where like, she's starting to understand that like, they're, like the world is, a, it, it can be a cruel place. And I want her to have a, just enough of that to understand and be aware of that as she like continues to grow. But it's always that fine line of like, you know, I don't want to pollute their minds because she's innocent still. And I don't want her to grow up on one side of the spectrum or the other. I want her yeah. to grow up understanding all backgrounds so that 
um, that she can she can adjust and she can like stand up for herself, but she more importantly, she can just be aware of that. That's really the big thing. So I haven't figured it out, but I think just having the conversations are really important. And those are things that I will absolutely not shy away from having with her. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's they, one of the things too, when you were talking about having that innocence, I think about my, my son, right? So my son, you know, he's growing up very, very differently than how we grew up in Virginia. Yeah. Right. And just to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just say this, try to say this quick as I can, but so growing up in Virginia, you know, and, and specifically Danville, how I remembered it is, you know, when you, when I'm talking about race, I could go days just going within my own community and my circle of friends without interacting with a whole lot of people who didn't look like me. I mean, you know, because just the way things were, it was not segregated, but, you know, people generally kept to themselves, right? Yeah. And, you know, with my son, us, you know, kind of moving around a little bit, you know, um, it hasn't been a ton of, uh, of, of, of Black people where we've been. So he's had to kind of, you know, maneuver between, you know, all these different races or whatever and stuff. And so for him, his friends are his friends. He's not looking at it like, you know, you know, these are my black friends or these are my white friends. These are my Hispanic friends. These are my Asian friends over here. They're, they're just his friends, you know, people who he's, you know, have got the same interests with, you know. And so I, I just think that's a, a dope thing that, you know, that there's an innocence there, you know, that I'm not looking at, you know, this certain color of people and I don't like these people because they're this and, you know, it, but it's just, you know, hey, these are my friends because we have the same interests, yeah. you know, and I think that's, that's really good. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's just a lot. It's a lot as a parent that you don't even think about. Um, and just like the awareness, like the books that you buy your kids, right? It's like, you go to any random store, they don't look like us. And it's like, you need to go out like and intentionally buy books that are represented of their backgrounds. Um, toys, Absolutely. like, you look on the wall right now and I'm like, they're like, it's actually, I'll, I'll give a lot of credit. It's becoming a lot more diverse in terms of what you're seeing. But like when Penelope was a baby, like we would have to order her a black doll. You know what I mean? Like I want you to see dolls and I want you to see representation, like just without you even realizing that's what we're doing. It's like, we're putting this stuff in front of you um, to make you understand, like, it doesn't have to be this way. And now, you know, I know kid always jokes me about like black Santa. It's like, I've had those conversations <laughs> with my daughter too. I'm like, no, if, if no one's ever seen Santa Claus, how do you know Santa Claus is white, right? It's like, because every picture that you see out there is a white man dressed up in a red suit. And so like, I don't want, I don't want those things to just be these things. Even as a kid, you start to accept those things as like facts. You know what I mean? It's like, it's facts because that's what people choose to put in front of your face. And I want her to like, it's more about critical thinking. And like, I want her to like critically think through those things. So like, she's not just, you know, whatever I see is what I will believe. And I think those are the things that I really am doing like on the subconscious level it's not just being about like black santa versus white santa it's like i want you to be able to think around these types of scenarios and i want you to be able to make that determination for yourself once you get old enough to like really like put these pieces together shout out to black santa yo it's black santa bro he ain't going nowhere <laughs> <laughs> but man I, I love this conversation because you know being in education i have i have been the one to tell them about segregation and how things were back in the day had a man that came into the school because the school that i work at um it was actually the black school in in town and he actually went to that school and he was telling them how things were different and how he didn't have white teachers he just had black teachers and then when i told the kids about it it's like they feel like it's the worst thing ever that Black people had to drink at this water fountain and white people had to drink at this water fountain. They think it's the worst thing ever. And I have two kids in my class, um, one's white, one's black, and they're best friends. So when that conversation was going on, you could just tell, it wasn't a lot being said, but you could just tell like, they, it, they made the connection that we wouldn't be friends. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's like I said, the thing. innocence of it. Yeah, but we have to crazy. teach them and let them know, you know, how yeah. things were. So we so we don't repeat this, you know. Yeah, for sure. 100. So, Mario, you you good on that? 
Go ahead. All right. So, Cam, you were a D1 athlete. Um, I want to ask you, you know, what connection do you see between sports or coaching and fatherhood? I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's honestly the biggest one is probably patience. Um, I think my experience, um, my experience as a division one athlete, it's kind of like you go, you know, you go like high school, you're the man, right? Like everybody wants you to come to their school and play. Like, you know, y'all kid, you were pretty close to my journey. It's like mm -hmm. you go to college. I didn't play a whole lot in my first couple of years, stayed hurt. Um, and, you know, kids these, you know, nowadays, right? It's like, you know, you have the transfer portal, which is like, I think it's great. Like you can go and play where you can, where you want to play. Right. Um, and it's like, for me, that wasn't really a big thing back then. Um, and so what it, what it taught me was you have to be patient and you have to continue to, to work hard because, you know, I think in life, not everything's going to be extremely easy for you. And like, I would say from, from my lens, going through that experience, and I really haven't talked to a whole lot of people, but like, that, that was probably one of the most traumatic experiences of my life was in college, right? Because you start off down, you hit this peak like halfway through college where everyone's telling you, great, they're talking about how, where are you going to get drafted and, and all this and all that. And then you get this injury and you go freaking nosedive. You don't even have a shot to like even play anymore. And mm -hmm. like for someone that's 20, 21 years old, having to like re-identify themselves like before they're even like you know, their professional careers get started like that that was like pretty traumatic and it took me a long time to like really get over that and accept that that that's that's just it's just life it's just what, what was meant to be um and now you turn the page and you go figure out how to make the how to make the most of it and so i think that's really what it's been for me in in fatherhood is that like you have to be patient like i was telling y'all earlier it's like my, my daughter's eight months year and she's eight months and you know, it's been a long eight month journey, but you know, it's easy to just throw up and say, look, I'm, 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 I'm tired of this. Like I need to walk out for a few hours and all that. But like what it teaches you, what it taught me at least was no, you freaking anchor down when it gets tough. That's the times you actually anchor down and you push through it. And these are the types of scenarios that actually make you, you know, they, they make you a stronger person. So I think the patience and the, the perseverance is really what it taught me um, in fatherhood because I mean, you all have kids. Kids can be hard and they don't teach you and prepare you for life with kids. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do think with, with sports, that's really what it taught me in my, my unique scenario is that I had to freaking endure some pretty tough stuff early on that I do think it helped mold me. And even in my professional career, you know, kind of combining all those things with being a father, it's like, I didn't just start off like freaking kicking butt and everything that I did. It's like, it takes work. And I, I do think one of the things that I've seen, you know, I manage big teams now. And I was like, one of the things that I've seen with people that actually like come out on the top end of this aren't the smartest people in the room always. It's the people that like don't quit when things get down and they're going to yeah. freaking get in your corner and they're going to fight through it. And they're good people, right? And so I think those are the things that it really taught me throughout that is like, what is your character? Do you show up and you complain? Do you mope around? Do you cry? Is it all about you? Or is it about the team, which my team now is my family. So it doesn't matter if I'm having a bad day. If I come in and I'm freaking bringing my team down, it's like that impacts them and the way that they're able to, to move forward. So those are the things I Absolutely. think it really taught me. Like, and again, it wasn't until I was later on in my adulthood that I like, I actually stopped and thought about that. But those are the things I think that have helped me navigate the hardness of being a, a dad right now, because it's not all easy. Yeah. And man, when, and we, we had that conversation recently. I mean, it might've been a few months ago. I didn't know it took you that long to get over it. I, I oh, really yeah. didn't. Um, and looking back at it, I guess, you know, you get caught up in living your life and stuff like that. I, I guess I should have reached out and asked you about that, but I know it's something that you had to go through, but I felt like I wasn't really there like I should have been. Um, and being sensitive to what you were actually going through. I, I just felt like it was over. Now it's time to get a job. Mm -hmm. He good. But yeah. I didn't think about everything because exactly like you put it, that's how it was. It was at the top and then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. And I mean, if you, look at sorry. what you can teach your daughter from what you went through. With oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, if you had asked me back then, I probably wouldn't have told you. Like I said, it took me a while to like 
even get confident comfortable with sharing those things right and so yeah. it's just like how we grew up we didn't talk about a lot of those things um but yeah man i mean it, it took it took a while to get over that and i think it's i think it took a while to get over it because of what i was doing before by the time i was done playing football i didn't even like football no more like i didn't i didn't like it i was hurt a lot i didn't like it i just did it because i was good at it and yeah. but the reason why it was so devastating to me is like how I grew up, we didn't have a lot. And so in my mind, I was like, I want to freaking do this. I want to go make millions of dollars and I want to go build my parents the biggest house that they've ever had. Like, I want to, I want to go pay off all their debt. I want to do, go do all these things for yeah. other people. And so like that for me was like freaking devastating when you realize that like, I mean, forget about me. Like, I, I mean, it doesn't take a lot for me to be happy in my day to day, but the things that I had envisioned and planned in my mind from an early age, like I, I wasn't able to do that. And so, you know, like I said, I think it took me on a different path, but there are things that I'm able to do now financially and in support of uh, my family that like, it took me, you know, it, it wasn't a straight path. It took me around, but like, I feel like the fact that it took me on this avenue to come to Austin and have the opportunity that I've had, I'm now able to do the things that like, I was freaking devastated. I wasn't able to do 10, 12, 14 years ago. So Good. that's really the underlying behind It's less about like me wanting to go appear to be an NFL football player and brag to everyone. It's more like what came with that. I wanted to give back and I wanted my family to have something a little bit different than I had. Yeah. That's good stuff. Mario, you got anything? Yeah. So I, I got one more question for you, Cam. So I see you got the, the girl dad shirt on, you know, girl and dad. Yeah, so, you know, you know that came from the whole thing, you know, with Kobe or whatever and stuff. So you being a former athlete or whatever, you know, do you see? I know one of your daughters you said is eight year, eight months old, but your your oldest daughter. Do you see any type of, you know, uh, uh, desire to want to be in sports or anything? And like, how how are you going to navigate that? You know, if if so, bro, she has no interest in sports. She likes. Okay. She likes dancing. She likes playing with Barbie dolls. Like yeah. she's, she's like not about it right now, but, and, you know, and so for me, like, I think because of how my experience as an athlete, um, like I could care less if she plays sports, like, but she's going to do something. It's like, so you can't just sit around here and do nothing. Right. Like, we can learn how to play a, play an instrument. Like we can go and do something you can learn. I mean, I'm in the, the, the software side of, how, of the house now. It's like, learn how to code and be a software mm -hmm. engineer one day. Like they make a lot of money and, you know, it's a fulfilling career. They can change the world. So I really don't care. I'm not pushing the envelope on it. She actually came to me yesterday and was like, I think, I, I think when I go to college, I want to play volleyball. She's been like, we just hit the ball in the backyard. I'm like, great. Well, if you want to play volleyball, we're going to have to start practicing. We're going to start working at it. She's actually really good at softball, but she doesn't like to play. She's not competitive like me. She's like on my wife's side. Like they would rather just like all sit around, like have be friends. Like she just doesn't have that competitive, like, <laughs> like driving her just yet in certain things. She hates to lose, but she doesn't like to do it in organized sports. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to push the yeah. envelope, but like what I am going to push is like her finding out what she wants to do and let we, it may change 50 times between now and when she gets to college, it's fine, but she's going to do something. And I want her to experiment things and, uh, and just see what, I want her to find what that is for her. Cause I don't think she's yet. I don't think she's found that yet. Yeah. Good. I think it's, I think it's funny because like before having my son, it was like, yeah, I'm gonna get him. And I'm gonna get him to play basketball. He's gonna play football. He's gonna play baseball. He's gonna he's gonna do all this stuff. I'm gonna train with him and all this stuff. And then like when they get here, it's like, man, it'd be cool for you to play. I know what to do to get you there. Right. But at the end of the day, if he comes to me and say, "Dad, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to swim or something, or yeah. I, I really want to pursue art, or you know, I want to be in the band," I'm like, "Man, go ahead." Do what make yeah. you happy because I guess and you were at a higher level than I than I was, Cam. But it's like when you see all the stuff that you have to go through and how unfair it is a lot of times, and everything yeah. it takes from you. It yes, it gives a lot, but it takes a lot from you. And then, you know, my nephew, my nephew kind of followed in your footsteps, you know, seeing you play inspired him to want to play division one, and he was able to do that. And the experience that I gained by going to your games and stuff like that, I was able to help 
guide him into that direction because yeah. it wasn't the first time I went to a division one game when I took yeah. him, you know, yeah. So yeah. my experience with you really paved the way for Tim to really come through and do it. And once you see everything that you have to go through, it's like, man, I just want you to be happy, man. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I feel you, man. I mean, it's 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 a grind. Again, like I I wouldn't trade it for the world, because um, I do think it develops you. Um, it develops you to see those things earlier on, and hopefully, if you see it and you take it in, you can start to apply it later on in life. Which I'm thankful that I was able to. Um, but it does. It becomes a business at a certain point, and you have to understand that you have to be okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it, it's one of those things where. I guess, like you said, it's, I could take it or leave it. You know, if I have to, if she wants to play in college or in high school or whatever that is, it's fine. It'd be amazing. It'd be cool. I would love to go and support, but I don't really care if it's like, as long as it's something that's making her better as a person and progressing her. And she's not just sitting around the house playing with Barbie dolls when she's 18 years old. I'm I'm totally fine with it. I'm going to support you, whatever you want to do. Got to do something. I think, I think we all can agree on that. Oh yeah, for sure. Have a passion in something. Yeah, yeah. Because I tried to get my son to play football, but he wants no part of football. Yeah, like none. <laughs> I, still, I still think he could be a good cornerback. I really he, do. He's quick, but like I said, anything having to do with like wrestling or anything having to do with like a contact <laughs> sport, he wants no part of it. And I, I'm <laughs> yeah. okay with that. You know, yeah. I'm okay with that now. You, yeah. you know, at, at first I wanted him to do all that, but you know, he 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 likes track or whatever. Get out there and run and do high jump, long jump. And, there you go. All those different things, but you know, as far as contact sports, he he ain't with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's what's up. But um, if if that's it, um, we'd like to thank you guys for listening to Dad Roots podcast. Thanks um, to Cam for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for Cam having me. Being our guest, and um, guys, we want you to like, share, subscribe. We want to get this conversation out there. This is a conversation that definitely needs to be heard. Um, Cam, you brought a lot to the table today. We really appreciate you coming on. And um, we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Dad Rules Podcast with your host, Mario E. and Kid. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Also, follow and like us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Breaker, and Player FM. Till next time.